Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. We do gather indeed to crown the Lord Jesus with many crowns. And part of that crowning is to admit our own unworthiness as we say, worthy is the Lamb. Hebrews chapter 4 is our call to confession. Hebrews 4 verses 12 and 13. Hear God's word. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thus far the reading of God's word. Jesus helps humans. This is something we'll read in the Assurance of Pardon, too. Jesus releases the children of Abraham from death and guilt. He satisfies God's wrath against us. Our theme this morning for the sermon is Jesus himself. And so Jesus makes us one of his own people. And as we confess our sins, God treats us like he treats Jesus, as a beloved and begotten child. So take comfort. You are part of the family of God because Jesus became like you. So come to him and admit your faults freely. He will forgive. And we'll stay in the Gospel of John for our sermon text. John chapter 3. When Jesus spoke with Nicodemus at night, He gave him some core truth about himself, about Jesus. We'll just read verses 13 to 17. Here again, God's infallible word. John 3, 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved." The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Well, we're getting back into our sermon series on the important things to believe. And uh, again, there are seven areas that are distilled by theologians over the centuries that I've listed once again in the bulletin. We're halfway through the series now, looking at God and creation and and man first, and now looking at... Christ. So uh, again, the, the old joke stands true. Sometimes my kids ask me, what are you preaching about Sunday? And I'll say, Jesus. 
Well, this Sunday is literally true, and I'm attempting the impossible to say in about 30 minutes everything important there is to say about Jesus. Wow. Well, I decided, since that's such a daunting task, I'm just going to use the Apostles' Creed as my outline, which we just said. And if you see that in the bulletin, you can look at the sermon outline or the Apostles' Creed. And you'll see that line by line, it gives us an outline of things important to know about Jesus. I'm simply going to follow that this morning. But before I go further, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider your word and as we consider your son, I pray, Lord, that you would open my mouth, open our hearts, that we might understand your truth and speak forth your praise. Lord, let none of your words fall to the ground, but plant them in our hearts so that your fruit may grow there in our lives, in our families, in this congregation, in our communities. We thank thank you for your promise that this will take place. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Son of God, Jesus, is the fully God's second person of the Trinity, and he was chosen by God to be our mediator and Savior and Lord. That's my one-sentence summary. But let's start with the first line in the Apostles' Creed. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So there we're talking about Jesus as God's Son first. Uh, So we're talking here about the second person of the Trinity. Jesus is eternally begotten uh, by the Father. And we see that in John chapter 1, where the Word was with God, and also the Word was God. That's a mystery of the Trinity. Uh, Jesus is eternally begotten from all eternity. That's another mystery. There's, in, in some way, uh, the Father has brought forth the Son. We heard that language in Proverbs 8, right? Before the, there was anything in the world, any, anything at all, I was brought forth. So we, we say that there was never a time when Jesus was not. He is eternal, co-eternal with the Father. And yet he was also, in some way, the Father begat, brings him forth. So this doesn't mean the Son is less than the Father. They're equal in power and glory. And yet the description is of God as Father, uh, eternally uh, begetting uh, his one and only Son. So that's uh, Jesus, God's Son. And he's our Lord. And we see that in the fact that he's our mediator. Uh, That's the way the Heidelberg Catechism describes Jesus when it uh, speaks of him first. Jesus is our mediator. Now the Catechism is looking at our salvation Right? Jesus is the one who brings us back to God when there was a breach. Uh, but before we look at that, we also ought to also remember Jesus is the mediator of all creation. Right? All things, Colossians 1 says, were created through him and for him. Which is an astounding statement. And we don't think of the greatness of Jesus enough. But God made the whole world for Jesus. That's one thing the Bible tells us. And not only for him, but through him. God speaks, let there be light. And that word he speaks is the word of God, Jesus himself. So all things made through him. You saw that in a poetic way in Proverbs 8 as well, right? Uh, I, I was the master craftsman alongside the creator. And he was, I, I was his delight, it says in Proverbs 8, as God made the world and everything in it. So Jesus is the mediator of all creation. And then he's also the mediator of our redemption. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. 
or when the apostles first uh, preach in the book of Acts, Acts 4.12, they say, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Right? So there's, Jesus has given us one way to come back to him and be reconciled and saved. And that name, that way, is Jesus. He's the mediator. His very name means save. Right? We see that in the Christmas story in Matthew 1. When, when, God tell, when the angel tells Joseph to call him Jesus, it says, because he will save his people from their sins. So there, there's a mediation going on here. Uh, when you think of mediation, mediator, you, you, you think of uh, somebody who co- goes in between, right? There's a go-between because maybe two people can't talk to, to each other anymore, right? You, there's the goal of bringing peace and harmony back into relationships. Uh, I've been uh, fairly involved in this kind of thing in church life uh, for several years in several different situations. Uh, sometimes I'm one of the people who's in conflict with somebody else. Sometimes I'm the mediator who's trying to bring two other people together. And that happens in, in the church. It happens at the presbytery level uh, all, in all kinds of ways. Uh, but here, this is not just a, a human, a person-to-person kind of go-between. Jesus, as mediator, isn't negotiating two parties to a compromise, right? That's not what's going on. Jesus is making it possible for us to come to God at all, right? Right? There's been a, a breach. Remember I talked last time about the silent planet, right? There, there's been this uh, uh, break uh, in the relationship with God. If you know the, the four spiritual laws traps, if you remember that, where there's a bridge, right? And the cross is the bridge, that, and we can walk across and come back uh, to God. That's the idea. Jesus is that kind of mediator. He, he, he's the bridge who's uh, built and put back together again. And if we don't latch on to Jesus, if we don't walk his bridge, then we have no hope. So that's something, kids, for you to to think about as as you think about Jesus. You need to hold fast to Jesus. You need to trust him. You need to love him because he is our one mediator uh, who restores us to favor with God the Father. So that's Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord. There's, of course, much more that could be said about the lordship of Jesus. We, we've sung much of it in our hymns and songs today. But let's continue on to uh, the next line of the, catechism, of the creed, I mean. Uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. So now we're getting into how is it that Jesus is our Lord? What has he done? Well, the mediating, of course, right? Let's get into that in in more depth. How has Jesus mediated, interceded for us? The first thing is that he became one of us. The incarnation. This is why, kids, you have a a Christmas coloring page today, by the way. Maybe you were wondering why that was. It's because we're talking about the person and work of Jesus. And sometimes it's good out of season to think about the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus became fully human. We read that in John 1.14, right? The word became flesh. Uh, John likes to use that word. And in 2 John verse 7, he's dealing with, with uh, false teachers, and he says it again. Uh, he, he says that if you deny that Jesus came in the flesh, uh, then you're outside of the truth, uh, and, and you're uh, leading others astray. Jesus came in the flesh. 
He became a, a, a human. A, 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 so Jesus has one. Jesus is one person who has two natures, right? He's fully God, but he's also completely human. And we read some of that in the assurance of pardon today, Hebrews two, that Jesus doesn't help angels; he helps people, because he became a person. That's how he helps us. Uh, Heidelberg Catechism puts it that way as well. If you see that in the bulletin once again, question 16, why did the mediator have to be a true and righteous man? Interesting answers that the Heidelberg gives us. Because God's justice requires that human nature must pay for its sin. Right? Uh, A person has to pay for the, the sin of humanity. And so Jesus comes and he does that. So that's the incarnation, and it should be a great comfort to us. Just a point of application here. Uh, Jesus knows you. Jesus is a person as you are a person. He took on human nature. He knows your situation. He's been tempted in every way as we have been. So as you're a 7-year-old, or a 16-year-old, or a 25-year-old, Jesus knows your stage of life, He knows your struggles. He's gone through it. Uh, Jesus uh, knows us. He's not just a Lord afar off, great, high, and mighty. He is that. But he also came down to us. Uh, And and, uh, so there's there's great um, comfort in that. I have been reading my magazines on vacation, catching up. I tend to subscribe to too many magazines, and then I can't read them all, and they pile up. So part of my vacation is to, to read them. And just yesterday, I was reading one I recommend, Touchstone magazine. And I, and I read this um, brief little paragraph, and I thought, this is perfect for the sermon tomorrow. Here it is. It's called Down to Earth. It quotes the Nicene Creed first. Who for us and for our salvation came down. Right? Jesus came down. So here's a really brief meditation on that. To understand this dizzying descent... We must first contemplate the height from which it began. To enjoy from eternity the untrammeled use of omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence in uninterrupted, perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. To go from that to being cramped into the limits of a human body, forced to think with a paltry few million brain cells while learning to walk and talk. The sacrifice the Son made for us began long before he ever got to Calvary. He identified with us so completely that he experienced hunger, thirst, bone tiredness. Being still the second person of the Trinity, he had access to his divine power and often used it in his ministry. But he never cheated in identifying with us by using it for himself to make his earthly life easier. You can see that in his temptations. Christ identified with us completely. He came down. The high king came down from the throne to serve with the scullery maids in the kitchen. What wondrous love is this? How can we not trust him and cling to him, follow him, and love him with all that we are and have? So Jesus, he came down. And then the third point there in the Apostles' Creed is that he suffered. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And then we have here a a description of uh, what Jesus did, and it's also describing the atonement. So we want to think there of Christ's uh, states of humiliation and exaltation, 
right? Jesus came down, humbled himself. This is Philippians 2. And then God highly exalted him, right? So we're called to, to that same pattern. We're called to die with Christ. We go down. We humble ourselves. And then God will lift us up. Some people call it the J pattern. I kind of like that. Uh, and they're referring to just the letter J, right? You know how the letter J, if you write it from left to right, instead of what we, we I think we usually write it from right to left, right? Like that. But if you start on the left side, you go down first. And that, that's the pattern in your, your lifespan. You humble yourself and then God exalts you. That's the idea. Just, just the letter J stands for Jesus. It's the Jesus pattern. So that's what Jesus did. He humbled himself to the point of death, and then God exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. So we're called to that same pattern. And that's the atonement. Uh, that's what happens when Jesus does that. The atonement, satis- it, it's where uh, Jesus satisfies God's wrath. He purchases our pardon. And again, the catechism describes that really well, that Jesus in verse, in, uh, not verse, question 17 of the catechism, why must he also be true God? Uh, so that by the power of his divinity, he might bear in his humanity the weight of God's wrath. That's a fascinating description of why Jesus had to be God, uh, that, that, that just any normal person could not have borne that weight. Uh, interesting. Uh, and uh, the contemporary song sings it that way. The wrath of God was satisfied, right? Uh, so the atonement uh, makes us at one with God again. Some people call it at one atonement, right? And so we are uh, reconciled uh, to God. Our sins set aside. And this is why we have the assurance of pardon every week, uh, to reassure us because we need that reassurance. Uh, Question 18 of the Catechism, I really like. There's another translation that says, He has set us completely free. Right? The the way ours puts it in the bulletin, we have uh, for our complete deliverance. So uh, that's what atonement brings. And Jesus has done that for us. So he humbled himself. Right? He suffers under Pontius Pilate. It's interesting that Pilate's mentioned in the Apostles' Creed. It's, it's, people have noticed how strange that is. I think part of that is just the, the humbling, the humiliation of suffering under a pagan king. Jesus lets himself uh, be treated completely unjustly by a pagan, wicked king. That, that's something that is hard for us to take, uh, but Jesus undergoes that willingly for us. And, and, and just get the relational difference. You know, the, the difference in our relationship to God before the atonement and after, right? Before, without, God, without Jesus, that we are under God's wrath. But now, we have God's welcome. That's the difference. Jesus paid it all. So, uh, he um, suffers under Pontius Pilate. The next line is, the third day he rose again from the dead. The resurrection, of course. So, a whole Easter sermon here in two minutes, right? This is so central, the resurrection. It's, it's why we go to church on Sunday now instead of Saturday. Because Jesus rose on Sunday morning. So, God uh, began the, the exaltation of Jesus at the resurrection, and when you think about resurrections in the Bible, it's important to note that Jesus is unique, right? We, th- we think of Enoch and Elijah, 
who were taken up to heaven without death. That's quite something to us, right? Or we think of Jesus' earthly ministry. He raised some people like Lazarus and a few others. He raised some from death back to life. The thing is that they died again, right? Jesus is the first to rise with a glorified body, never to die again. And so 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 or 21, speaks of Jesus as, our, as the first fruits, the pioneer of our salvation. Uh, in him we will all rise as he has risen. So, uh, just one angle of that to consider in our Christian life today. Uh, most evangelical churches make the atonement of Christ the center and the main point of Christianity, that Jesus paid it all, right? And I wouldn't say they're wrong, um, but in doing so, we often neglect uh, how to live the new life Jesus has given us, right? A lot of churches are so focused on making that transaction, that conversion happen, sometimes we don't uh, talk enough about what's the resurrection life supposed to look like. Uh, and then uh, maybe now in the CREC, we overdo it the other way. We focus a lot on obedience. You know, do we follow this law or not? Uh, it all comes back to the simple song, trust and obey, right? We're trusting Jesus to take our sins away from God's sight. We're obeying Jesus because we were made to do so, because we're thankful that he saved us. It's even right in the Great Commission, right? Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. So that resurrection means life that we have to flourish and to follow God. So we ought to be thinking about how do we do that? How do I please God with the life that he's given me back? Uh, so that's, that's one way to consider uh, the Christian life. Uh, the other uh, point of application I wanted to make today is, uh, on, as regards resurrection is, and this is more broad, that death is not the end. You can think of this as regarding uh, people who, who have died, that you have loved, who have uh, passed on to glory. Or you can think of this in terms of uh, disappointments, the death of hopes or dreams that you have. That's not the end either, right? There's, there's all kinds of pruning that God does in life. Uh, he'll take some things away, uh, you know, hopes that you had, were going to go that way, but it looks like that's not going to happen now, right? There's pruning in life to make way for new growth, uh, different directions. <clears throat> this, um, this is a little emotional for me because this is something that is true in my life personally. And many of you also have said the same kind of thing. Things like this. I just wasted years in college or in my 20s or whenever or wherever. Doing the wrong thing. Headed the wrong direction. And, and we need to remember that that has a purpose in God's plan too. Right? We can't see it yet. But God used that to shape you in the future. Death is not the end. Uh, God brings life out of what looks like a train wreck. He does it all the time. So that's the resurrection. The third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Here you consider Jesus in a position of all power, right? He's been exalted, given the name above every name. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus himself says. What does he do with it? He's been exercising it now for 2,000 years on earth. 
What is he doing with it? Jesus intercedes for his people. Jesus gives us his spirit. He, the catechism, the, I think it's Westminster, puts it this way. He governs our mind and our spirit. He, he regulates uh, our thoughts by his spirit so that we can live for him better. So, so the atonement, the resurrection, has happened in the past, but this is happening right now. As Jesus is on the throne, he is ruling us, he is interceding for us, helping us. The, the roles of prophet, priest, and king can be helpful here to think of that, that Jesus is, is doing all three of those things now, right? Jesus gives us the spirit to lead us into the truth. That's Jesus as the prophet, gives us the word, gives us his spirit, gives us other people to, to counsel us. He's the priest. The priest makes sacrifice, of course. The priest also prays for you. Jesus is praying for you. And third, the priest, uh, Jesus is the king. And there again, that, that phrase, uh, I think it's Westminster, that he governs our mind and spirit. That, that's a fascinating thing to think about. It's kind of the opposite of the screw tape letters. If you've read the screw tape letters or heard of them, uh, C.S. Lewis imagines uh, demons uh, trying, to, uh, trying to control or influence how people think, right? And really what they're doing is sabotage. It's all about sabotage. Uh, you know, the, the, the human patient is reading a book and his thoughts are going towards God, towards faith in Jesus. And, and the devils are, think, are trying to figure out a strategy to try to sabotage that, right? Well, on the other side, what, what they don't see is that the spirit is governing our mind and spirit. He, he's um, he's um, moving us, persuading us uh, to do what is right, to do what is good. So that's Christ's current rule, what Jesus is doing right now. And we often don't see it, and we read the news, and we think, why isn't Jesus doing something about that? Well, you're not going to see, like, like Jesus talks about the Spirit, you're not going to see the Spirit. Uh, you're going to see what the Spirit does. Uh, and that's often the case. And, and it, it shows up in unlikely ways and places. I read an article recently, didn't have this in my notes, but... Um, there was a recent decision uh, in a church court that was surprisingly um, biblical and faithful uh, regarding human sexuality uh, on the west side of the state. And there was a long article by a, a member of that denomination saying, how did this happen? It's great, but what result, how did this come about? And one of the main reasons they gave was there's been a resurgence of piety and revival in that denomination for the last 10 years. It's, they're doing surveys all the time. People are reading their Bibles more. They're getting married and having more children. Uh, and all of this has been happening the last 10 years. And the, the author of the article said, nobody saw this coming. There wasn't really this denominational push to have it happen. And a lot of the pastors didn't even know it was happening. It, it was just a movement of the spirit that resulted in this decision that kind of caught everybody off guard and like, wow, they're, they're going to be biblical again. Great. Where'd that come? That's how God works, governing the mind and spirit of his church. And it's often discouraging not to see it on the nightly news, but we ought to know that that's something that, that God is constantly doing. We can uh, believe by faith that that's happening. 
Well, let's move quickly to the end here. The last phrase of the uh, Apostles' Creed regarding Jesus. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And I'll just take a, 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 a single slice of how to look at this. We'll come back to this, of course, at the, later on when we consider the last things. I'm a little scared to preach that sermon, honestly. But anyway, uh, what is it about Jesus returning to judge? Well, let's look at 2 Thessalonians. This is a, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there with me. This is a, a, a way of, of, that the scripture speaks of Jesus that we don't often consider. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Thessalonians were having trouble. They were being harassed and intimidated by unbelievers around them, uh, possibly um, Jews especially. We're not sure. <laughs> but here in verse 6 of 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul says this to the Thessalonians. It is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. To give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, skip to verse 10. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Fascinating and something we don't often think about. What Paul is saying here to the Thessalonians, he's comforting them by having them look ahead to the end to know, look, there is a world of hurt coming for those who reject Christ and who give you a hard time for it. Uh, and that's, that's okay for us to be comforted by that. That's kind of hard for modern people to accept that. We we want to make sure God is nice to everybody, always, all the time. That's not going to happen. God is going to come, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to bring vengeance on those who do not know God. That's part of the rule and the return of Christ. There's an old Johnny Cash song he sings, you can run on for a long time. You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down. And that's what Jesus Christ is going to do when he returns. Now, that's for those who, who reject and hate him. For those of us who love him, it, more importantly, for the ones that Christ knows and loves, he's coming to take you to be with him. Right? John 14, Jesus says this himself. He's preparing rooms in his father's house for you. Rooms that, are, that fit just right for us. Because Jesus knows us. It's a glorious thing to consider that the one who, who made every cell in your body, who, who knows what you like and what you don't, he's the one who's preparing an eternal home for you. It's glorious. So my, my final point today is uh, simply this. Cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, that uh, <clears throat> phrase, that language has been used for a long time in the evangelical church. And some people react against it these days and say, well, it's not so much about the relationship, it's, it's about um, the corporate worship. It's about the objective, what we're doing. Uh, it's about your obedience. Uh, those things are all true as well. But a relationship is not uh, to be rejected at all. Jesus is not an idea. 
uh, some modern gurus these days, uh, I think of Jordan Peterson especially, uh, talks in this way a lot, uh, almost as if Jesus is an idea, uh, a, a, an archetype, and so on, right? Jesus is not an idea. He's a person with a specific shape to his face and hair, his fingers and toes. Jesus is a person. He's a Lord to love, like the good king in the old tales, right? So pray to him every day. Hear him speak to you in the Bible. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He was chosen by God to be our mediator and Savior and Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your Son, Jesus. You loved the world in that way, uh, to give us your only Son, to save us and to give us everlasting life. Thank you that you came to us not in condemnation, but to give us that salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would take hold of that raft uh, to, and trust you while there is still uh, life and time and opportunity. And we thank you, Lord, for your grand plan uh, of bringing into your kingdom uh, all those you have chosen. And we thank you also, Lord, uh, for your grace and for your justice, uh, that you will bring uh, evildoers uh, to that justice. Uh, again, through your son, Jesus. Lord, we look to you, we look to him uh, for all wisdom and grace and truth. We trust you and we pray and we uh, sing uh, the prayer that uh, he taught us to pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.